welcome to this week's episode of the Imaginary Movie Podcast, a podcast where we blow up Soviet spy stations in uh, in Russia and for money? Question mark. Um, and I'm David, David Bond, um, stiff ass Brit. <laughs> Uh, my name's Sam, and no, Mr. Bont, I don't expect anything from you except to die and be a very cheap funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Love the Simpsons. Different directions there. The Simpsons is is honestly better than all the things it parodies. Yeah. Uh, this week, uh, for a first, uh, we watched a Bond movie. Um, no, not that Bond movie. We watched Goldeneye uh, from yes. 1995. Yes. Little remembered. I don't know if this is like a standout film in terms of where it sits in the the timeline of James Bond movies, but this is my favourite by a country mile. And I'm I there. think this is quite well regarded. I think honestly, I think the N sixty four game is a huge part of why this mm. movie is so well remembered. Mm-hmm. Um, for those listeners old enough to remember what N sixty four was, I guess kids ask your grandparents. Um, <laughs> Like, because 1995 was a, a long time ago. Um, this is the, yeah, the first Pierce Brosnan James Bond film. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like, I guess we're, we're quite used to a big um, gargantuan series with the same characters these days, aren't we? But maybe, like, James Bond was kind of on its own for a long time there? Like, probably one of the biggest um, like long, long-standing franchises that we've seen in, in movie history. But, and, no, and I could also, be wrong, but was this the was this the seventeenth James Bond film? Something like that, yeah. It's like really high up on the on the list of it is its seventeenth, which which when you think about it, there, there can't be that many series that have ran um, for so long, so successfully, and with such continuity as well. Like that's the thing that I think we get to see throughout these James Bond films is that it's all obviously different actors, different characters, but really it's the same same stuff over and over again it's there, there are core themes aren't there yes and let's not let's just get it straight out there right now the just hardcore misogyny that runs through all of these movies and we will be talking about that i actually thought this one is probably on the lower end of the misogyny on the, scale it's on it's on the lower like, end. yeah this is it, less misogynistic than uh skyfall yes Yes, like that. This is less rapey than Skyfall. Daniel Craig is is more forceful with women in that movie than Pierce Brosnan is in this. Which is just it. Just shows it. Just shows, doesn't it? But let's let's hold that. We'll get into that later on because I want to. I want to start off. um, Well, firstly, with the plot summary, in case you haven't seen 1995's Goldeneye. um, Years after a friend and fellow Double O agent is killed on a joint mission, a secret space-based weapon program known as Goldeneye is stolen. James Bond sets out to stop a Russian crime syndicate from using the weapon and, uh, you know, blows things up and has sex with women along the way. It is a it is Pierce Brosnan's first movie and I think for, for, um, for children of the 90s or late 80s, this is probably our, like, introduction to James Bond. Now, it came out in 1995. I would have been six when I watched that, so I'm pretty sure I didn't watch it when I was six, but maybe kind of like 10 or 11, that type of age. Yeah. Um, is It's know, also a like, factor that, like, Pierce Brosnan is our James Bond, and I yes. mean that, like, in a lot of ways where... When did Casino Royale, Royale come out? What, 2008, 2009, something like that? 
Yeah, um, something like that. I'll vamp yeah. when you talk about that. But Casino Royale, the Daniel Craig James Bonds, is like they're the James Bonds of our adult adulthood. Oh but six. We didn't. I, I never really massively got into those movies, partly because I was like at uni and I had more interesting things to do than go and see a James Bond movie. Uh, like going to see, um, you know, uh, Hobbit I would cha- movies or yeah, I would challenge going to see going to see on. Batman movies. I was much uh-huh. more in a Batman phase than a James Bond phase. Uh-huh. Um, but like, but the Pierce Brosnan movies because there were three or four of them. There was this, uh, Die Another Day, and Diamonds Are Forever. I think um, that which, by the way, this is the only good one of the bunch. Um, but I saw especially the other two of those, the Diamonds Are Forever with um, Halle Berry. Academy Award-winning Halle Berry. Hold on, um, I, think, I think it's. I think you. I think we've got. So, Goldeneye, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day is is the is the four uh, Brosnan movies. I think Die Another Day is the one with the Ice Palace in the North Pole. Um, I think v- vaguely, yes. I think. <laughs> That's the one I saw a thousand times. I think because it it bombed so hard that like every every TV channel had it. Um, but it, but by that I mean that Jane, that Pierce Brosnan is kind of like the James Bond that I know the best, despite the fact he didn't do the most movies, and like his movies on a whole, I think Goldeneye is one of the best Bonds. I will say. Um, on a lot of metrics um, but his movies on the whole aren't the best Bond movies uh, they're not the most well received or the most well remembered like you know but for for me if I think of James Bond I think of Pierce Brosnan like mm-hmm. that's my first thought in terms of like you, you know you picture an actor in a role which is quite saying something considering the you know quite weighty um, celebrities who've played Bond over the years yeah yeah and so when we when we you know when we go into our first Bond movie for the podcast, it's it's got to be this film, isn't it? It's got to be, it's got to be probably the best. Well, absolutely the best Pierce Brosnan movie. And I think when it's when you stand up the other Bond films that are there, I think this is quite high at the list, but maybe not as fondly remembered as some of the other ones. You know, some of the Sean Connery, Roger Moore. Um, to a much lesser extent, Roger Roger Daltrey and 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 all that stuff. So it it kind of Roger Daltrey is that right? Timothy just, Dalton. Timothy Dalton. What? Who's Roger Daltrey? He's in the Who, isn't he? God, I'm. I think you. so. Yeah. Uh, Sean Timothy, Connery, Roger Moore, Roger the guy Moore, who did one. The guy who did one movie. I can never remember his name. Uh, and Timothy Dalton, George and then you've Lazenby, got Pierce Brosnan. I think, wasn't it? George, George Lazenby, yeah. You've yeah. got uh, you've got then you've got Pierce Brosnan, and then now we've got Daniel Craig, and then uh, he's presumably going to burn the ship on his way out, assumingly. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, in fact, that that newest film is out. Um, we should say that he's not at all related to why we watch this because who could care less? Who cares? But <laughs> also, let's, let's not forget the great Roger Daltrey <laughs> Bond movie. Uh, which which is uh, which uh, we should uh, definitely fever do. dreams Sam had. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it; it will be good. It will be good. Yeah, we did do well. Uh, we did do the Rock though, which is kind of like a quasi James Bond film. There's a lot. There's a lot in there that's sort of Bond esque. Um, all unrelated to Roger Daltrey, anyway. So <laughs> yeah, so, Roger yeah. Daltrey is our obviously king, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Who? Uh, so we so we get in we get into this film and it's like. You know, for me, I find it very hard to be objective. <laughs> really, really hard to be objective with this film because from from the openings, from jumping off a dam to driving a tank through a wall, I am strapped in, invested, loving this film immediately and all the way through. There's no, I, I don't have any sense. I kind of I had a Sam 
a Sam sort of moment with this movie where I remembered nothing about it. I must have seen this movie like multiple times. Probably not multiple times in its entirety, as we've discussed many, many times. The the way we consume media now is like it was much harder to watch an entire movie in one sitting when you yeah. when you were when you were a kid, um, especially on terrestrial TV with all the breaks. Because this movie is two hours and ten minutes in in its in its theatrical cut. Like on TV, broken up into breaks, and you'd have breaks three and a half hours with that minutes. That's a long afternoon for a kid. <laughs> Who's got that attention? So probably you tune in halfway through and you watch the the finale. Uh, because I remember the end of this movie very well, but the beginning I was like, "Why are they in Monaco?" I I was scratching my head like, "Who is this? Why is yeah. Famke Jansen doing?" Yeah. Like, um, so I did look at this maybe a little bit more objectively than you, mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Well, and we can. Well, what did you think then? Let's let's just get that off the top because I'm I'm I mean there are things that you could get rid of and change, but generally I'm, I'm I really enjoyed this, and I wonder where you come from then I from a slightly think, more objective point of view. I think because um, the uh, just on, on Bond history right now, uh, I've what I've re- watched. I used to be a really big fan of Bond when I was a kid. Like he was my favorite guy. I wanted to be a spy. Toxic I wanted masculinity. to be shooting, shooting Russians in the back of the head and fucking babes. That was my. That was the dream when I was eleven years old. Um, go um, media. Um, I, I, I'm really glad we've broken out of that. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Through. I can't bro, afford bullets. Hey, bro. <laughs> All the bullets and all the all the STDs. It's just, <laughs> it's too much. All that flying, Sam. It's just be exhausting and draining. Oh, no. um, but like the probably the last movie I watched, Bond movie I watched, like chronolog- chronologically in my life, I watched one of the Timothy Dalton ones three or four years ago, um, and I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones. But again, before then, probably. Um, so like compared to that. And especially the sort of Roger Moore and the uh, Sean Connery ones, which are a lot more cartoony. Like, you know, you've got Odd Job and Jaws and like, do you know what I mean? Like, and this movie kind of blends the two. Mm. It re- You really can see the Daniel Craig bonds in this. Like, you've got the real world kind of politics. You know, you've got the kind of like much more modern like satellites and nuclear bombs and like there's recognisable technology and geopolitics in this. And like and also- you've got that blended... With the kind of cartoonish, like, um, yeah, what's the name of this character? Yeah, on a Desmond, top, on, on her top. top. Yeah. <laughs> on a top. Well, I, I was going to say that the scenes with Q and Desmond Llewellyn later on, which are very so. So yeah, I think that's a really, I think that's a that's a really good point because it does, but it does blend those two. You know, like I, I always, I always think about um, the born identity of being like pre and post that film because I think that film fundamentally changed what action movies are about it went from um you know lasers in cars and watches with uh, with with the grappling hooks in them to fucking matt damon's fighting someone with a biro like and that's and that is that was amazing it was gritty it was like oh it's action invested it was it was so much more down to work dare i say it sam it's pre and post 9-11 got it in there Every episode. Like, when, honestly, when in the real world people are hijacking planes with, like, bits of nails and standing knife blades they've smuggled in in shoes, like, suddenly James Bond doesn't really need all of this stuff to get the job done anymore. You know, like, Matt Damon can just go and make a pipe bomb out of things he's bought from the petrol station. And also, they need, yeah, spies need to be much more, you know, dirty. They need to be 
working at a, a, a more even more clandestine even evil level so yeah absolutely so i think that works really well and then and that's why i think this film holds up so well because you do still have that even in the way it's shot even the cinematography some of the action scenes in the choreography we get to see there it all feels relatively grounded and and as we get now into the plot it's also a human story like it's it, it it does it does a great job of taking the the fall of the Soviet Union and the geopolitics and like the culture, um, you know that 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 culture malaise not malaise the, the kind of void that end existed. of history, end of history. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like it takes that and it kind of transports it onto this Cold War era character. And that's and that's what I mean. They even say it. You know, M calls him a sexist, misogynist, Cold War relic, because right, right, and right again, a hundred percent, because he exists from as a character written during a time when, you know, Google Operation Acoustic Kitty, and you <laughs> you will you know where they where they got they tried to train cats to be spies. Uh, you, you will understand. <laughs> they tried to. They tried to. Um, genetically engineer cats to be radios. Yes, that's what I said. That's the level. That's the level of hysteria that we're working at. That goes away, and what are we left with? Kind of like a bunch of alcoholics walking around um, uh, Eastern Europe, you know, trying to buy arms. That was that's well, it's where that, we're left. It's that difference between gritty and more realistic, and like this is still like you know, nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties James Bond, where like. Britain is still relevant. <laughs> um, you know, Britain's still Brexit. like exactly. Britain's still like a power, and you've got this debonair secret agent, and it's kind of like. And I think the more realistic thing, where like operatives, you know, secret operatives are actually more than likely like, you know, they aren't ex Navy officers, you know, trained and. All of these things and given all these gadgets, they aren't incredibly like debonair most and getting the job done and sexy. Like most of them, honestly, are just people that the government is, you know, someone's government is paying to act against their own government. They're like, sat in offices typing, like that, that's what they're doing. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they're not doing anything. And, but this kind of evokes that older idea of like, um, you know, just that kind of like glorious, kind of like, you know, honor ridden thing and. And and what I like about this movie is we don't have like a Blofeld character, like we don't have some evil guy who's evil for evil's sake. Um, we just have you know uh, Alec Tremaine. We have the Sean Bean character. He's kind of like wants money because he Trevelyan, sorry, because he wants money. Like and that's and it's grittier and it's darker. Yeah. And you do like you said, Sam, you do have this personal story where like he has a relationship with the other guy. And they they set that up so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Let's um, let's talk about the start of this film, and because I think it's uh, again in terms of this in terms of the cinematography, this is where I think name me a a better opening couple of minutes of a film because I I just I just love the way this film starts. We get to see um, we we get the James Bond, you know, walking along, shooting down the barrel thing, which is it's kind of weird, but it's short, isn't it? And and I think what you got before was much more of the and they didn't do that. They just have that. They have that bit, and then they, we go straight into 
jumping off this dam, which is like an amazing scene. It's an amazing scene. It looks incredible. It's got this great, these great um, helicopter shots, which we get to see. And then we get to see a man jumping off this dam, which is just an extraordinary shot. It's an absolutely extraordinary shot. I think it's the Contra Dam, I think maybe in Switzerland. Um, and the actor, the, the stunt guy, set a record for his, uh, for, for like the the highest dive off a dam ever or whatever. And I think this is just such a cool opening to a film and it really like typifies the Bond feel, which I think is such an important part of uh, what these movies are about. Like big, brash, big cinematography. And what more could you want from the opening couple of minutes of a movie? That's why. You are absolutely right. There is a mini Bond film uh, just like secreted in the first couple of minutes of this. And it's kind of the movie I wanted. Like, And these are the bits you remember as well. Like, Because you have... And by the way, I love the fucking... Is there a better shot than when we first meet 006? And like, it's James Bond and we get the quippy line. He says, what does he say to the guy in the toilet? Always love a guy in the toilet. That's always funny. Um... <laughs> Sorry, says, to sorry, sorry, sorry to drop in. Sorry to drop in. He's hanging upside down in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which in. is fun. Doosh. He comes in. There's a guy in the shadows. He says something in Russian. He says something else. He walks forward and it's Sean fucking Bean. Yes. And he's like, he's his mate. And it's like, oh, I'm just here for this. I'm here for, for England, James. <laughs> this Exactly. This kind of like um, Mission Impossible-esque. Like before Mission before Mission Impossible? And I think this is after Mission Impossible, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Well, similar sort of time, anyway. Um, but like, you get this Mission Impossible feel to it, and this is kind of like, again, to lend into the realism. Sean Connery was not often going in and doing like industrial espionage, industrial sabotage, which is what this is. Mm-hmm. This is 006 and 007 going in to set a load of bombs to blow up this fucking dam, or you know, and it's just. Yeah. It's very well done. We get, you know, you get Pierce Brosnan, and it doesn't really tell you a lot. I like how there's not any exposition till about halfway through this movie, and it's kind of great because you trust your audience to know who James Bond is and to follow along with what's happening. Yeah, Mission Impossible 1996, so just after this, but it definitely has that. <laughs> definitely has that. Like you can see the influence, I think, in terms of some of the situations they're in, and 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 you know what. It's it's hard to do this. It's really hard to do this to 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 capture so much in the first um, scene of your film because they set up Alec Trevelyan, they set up his execution or his death, and you know during the mission, and and then we get like some just some clever little some clever little uses of of the of the set. We um, they're they're planting these bombs. They're you know they're running around trying to destroy this chemical weapons factory or whatever and i love the i love the soviet feel of it i'm really into like soviet imagery and and um just that like but they got these red army uniforms cheap as well i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if these are at in 95 i wouldn't be surprised Fire sale. if these are at <laughs> oh yeah the uh, the former soviet satellite state of um pick one i guess georgia, uh, poland yeah, yeah. georgia uh they're gonna sell us fucking four hundred thousand soviet uniforms to hollywood generally and we're just gonna keep them around forever yeah that that, that bank that bank rolled the um the the post-independence of, of many of these uh, countries isn't it 
so all of this works so well and then and then i mean just just as and we'll, we'll move on to the next i've seen but just as one thing that i really loved and again one thing that kind of subverts and is clever is when um alec gets killed and then bond's trying to escape and he's got these canisters there and he has to move and he, he basically hides behind these these poisonous weapons canisters and we get that set up with omarov uh, um who who is going to come back later on and his kind of like antagonistic role but then again he's not like a bond villain is he he's just no but it's establishing the stakes sam yes because like one of these soldiers is like well i'm going to kill this enemy agent he shoots uh say say it was Honorov the guy um um Omar- like uh, yeah let me just the colonel it. or the general sorry and he just turns around and shoots him and it's kind of like um- Umarov. these yeah. Umarov, these are these these are these are some classic Soviets, you know. These guys, and by the way, I should say this is one of the ugliest men I've ever seen in my life. I don't need to. <laughs> I just think it, it lends itself so well. You're like, this dude's got to be evil, right? Like he's he absolutely 100 percent evil. Gottfried, Gottfried John, who bless him. I don't not... think would be offended by my saying he's not a traditionally handsome man. No, and he's maybe not aged that well either. But anyway. So, so, but yeah, no, and you know, I mean, again, Soviet trope, Soviets killing their own people. That is a big enemy at the gates. Ever seen that, that yeah, film yeah. where they're like, if you fall back, we will gun you down. Like, there's all these things that are uh, post, post-war Soviet like tropes, you know, like shit on the Russians, which I think is probably, I think, I think actually that post um, fall of the Soviet Union media about Russia led to the rise of people like Putin. That is my theory. <laughs> Who were like, yeah, we because want. the Russian people felt embarrassed because the entire world's making fun of them. Yeah, basically, um, it is kind of nice, by the way. And we talk about nine eleven all the time, but it's really nice to have a time before, like, where Russians are the bad guys, and it's like, oh, <laughs> we that's, had bad guys. That's refreshing. That's refreshing because, like. It's a nation state who's an evil presence, and we that can... doesn't exist anymore. It feels very harmless these days because it's not like oh, the evil Soviets. Like yeah, everyone kind of agrees the Soviets were quite evil. Like before that's that, fine. That's something we as a world can come together and agree before on. Before that, we had the Nazis, and that was simple. I mean, they were the yep. they were the best bad guys. You know, kind of the OG. They're kind of the OG bad guys, really. <laughs> yes, they're the ones. They're the ones that we go back to time and time and again. Damn you, Spielberg. Whereas uh, now, since two thousand and since nine eleven, like there's this real fucking just brown people thing in films, like yes. where we are told that if anyone is even remotely Middle Eastern or remotely not white, they must. And there's like a racial aspect to it that there kind of isn't in films like this. Well, not, but largely because I don't think there's an actor in this film who isn't white to start with. But like, you know, do you know what I mean? It's it's not necessarily like as. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come across as mean as maybe some more modern stuff where, like, you just have, like, you know, generic sort of Saudi terrorists, and it's kind of like, do we have to keep doing this? I know it's not. It's not as entertaining, is it? It's all just a bit. It's all just a bit. Yeah, a bit much. It's a bit more realistic. It's a bit more realistic, and like, especially this far removed from the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah, speak. It doesn't feel real, you know. Uh huh. No, I don't mean. I don't mean. Speaking of things that aren't realistic, though, is like the uh, this the end. The end of this is James Bond's running away. He ju- the plane on this amazing. It looks like a miniature, or maybe a miniature combined with a matte um, painting of this runway on the edge of this cliff. It looks fucking great. I'd love to take off on that on my, uh, flight simulator. 
So the, the plane is flying off and James Bond, of course, manages to um, like fly after the plane. This, this, is this where the plane is falling off the cliff? The plane's falling off it, right? The plane's falling off it. And so firstly, they did the stunt. They had this they had this guy jumping off. This Again, this stunt man, fucking hell. No way to do this now. Jumping off to chase this plane. And obviously he didn't then get in it, managed to pull up, even though he was inches away from, from death. There's also this, like, just aviation nerd, there's this noise, which is entirely made by a horn. It's called a Jericho horn, which is attached to, like, missiles. missiles. <laughs> anyway, but like all of that just is such a great opening spectacle. And I think it's such a strong part of your movie. You have to get it right. And James Bond movie, it's... generally, as a prelude as well. It's a prelude. Really good at doing it. It's where they excel. I think it's one of the Timothy Dalton ones where... Um... It's a similar. He's skiing, and you have the Union Jack like parachute at the end of it. Like, <laughs> yes. So silly. Like super, super spy. Um, <laughs> Solid. But hell. like, exactly. But like, is. James Bond's always been really good at that spectacle. You mentioned miniatures, Sam. Uh, Goldeneye is the the James Bond. It uses the most miniature shots of any James Bond film. Oh, like really? Before or since? Yeah. Uh, and you really it. can tell because there's loads of it, and I think, and I. I'm a sucker for miniatures. I really am. There's just something in me that I just, I just really like the idea of all these nerds sat making airfix models that then appear in a film. <laughs> like what a job. And also, like, I just think it, it, it sometimes lends to a better effect than doing it with CG and like, because you're more used to it and it, I can accept that. Um, but in it this takes... opening scene, it's cool as shit. Like that plane thing, like you said, Sam, part of you is like, I'm pretty sure that's not how planes work. But like, <laughs> It's fine. I'm I'm on board. I'm in. It's like when Indy falls out of that plane in uh, Temple of Doom and they they roll down the mountain on that. Um, life <laughs> yeah, they, raft. They, they inflate the the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know it's yes. ridiculous, and they'd all be dead several times Indy. over. But like, <laughs> it's fun. Challenge. You know. Yeah, it's it's it is it's great. But you know, and again, let's let's maybe move on because I but I, I think we're not going to go into details every scene. But I just think it's such an important part of of the movie. We are. Oh yeah, two hours and twenty five minutes later. Um, let's get into some of the characters, some of the other characters now, because we. Well, we, we I was gonna just jump to the next scene, maybe well, where we I, get introduced to. On a top. That's so what we I was have say. like well before that, I just want to mention like we talked about how this movie is like less, maybe less. It's not less misogynistic than the rest of the franchise, I don't think, but it is maybe less rapey. Um, and it's a real problem in the James Bond franchise, and it's maybe something that's aged the worst, is James Bond roughly seizing a woman and kissing her until she likes it. Now, um, that's a really troubling message to be giving people, generally, um, but, like, especially now where we're, like, we like to think of ourselves as a bit more, like, woke and a bit more with it. Like, really, our heroes should not be, like, forcing themselves on other people. Yeah. Um, but... In a nice subversion of that, we don't really get James Bond forcing himself on this investigator. As such, he's creepy still, I'll agree with you. Um, and he's also drinking and driving. I'm not sure if Monaco doesn't have rules about that or whether <laughs> you know James Bond just doesn't give a shit. I, don't I just know. assume James Bond is is permanently drunk. Like I that's probably the only way. 
we could he could survive the post-traumatic stress. I think the only alcoholic James Bond is the Daniel Craig one. Like the the more modern James Bond is a total like alcoholic lunatic, whereas yeah. the old ones are more kind of like yeah, you yeah. know, you you're hard drinking, hard smoking kind of spies. Yeah, alcoholics. What what we just said. Yeah. Uh, so the, this scene is good. The cool car chase. It's pretty. You know, it's fun. attending again. You've got sexy cars. You've got the Aston Martin DB5 there. All of that's fine. You've got the we mysterious get, woman. You got is it's fam, uh, My pronunciation might be off, but Famke Jansen, I believe, is the correct pronunciation. Uh, I think it's Famke. Yeah, Famke Jansen. Famke. Yeah. Famke Jansen, um, um, who noteworthily plays uh, what's her face uh, in the X Men films. Uh, Jean I, Grey. Oh yeah, yeah. See, see yeah. again. It's one of those. It's one of those films. I I didn't know who that was as a kid, so I have no connection. It's like my 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 child brain is is just well, it's just that's yeah. on the top. <laughs> um, yeah. So this this is let's let's get into this bit. I also would this like to talk- is the most old Bond character in this movie. Unbelievable! And it's embarrassing to watch. Number one, her name is Zena on a top. On the top, on the top, listener. And can I just I know... point out, by the way, can I just point out a really funny joke that I made the other day, right? So Sam was watching this movie and he said to me, like, he said, we have this running thing about women are aliens. And he said, no, no, this woman is the alien, right? I hadn't seen this film Dave. in 20 years, 15 years. And I said, I said, Xenomorph Warrior Princess, right? <laughs> Not knowing that this character's name was Xena. I should make it clear. Dave, what I was hoping is that we could seamlessly make that joke on the podcast without you having to point out that we've made that joke previously. That's what I was hoping for. That's what the whole build-up was about, and you did shat all over it. I'm professional enough to know, Sam, we wouldn't have gone in organically once you mentioned this character's first name. We we were going to get there. I was going to try. So Xena is her first name. Now, we do have this thing about women are aliens, which is a thing in movies that we've kind of like coined where... And and it's not always women. Sometimes, sometimes you might have babies as three uh, three men and a baby. We've we kind of babies or anything things where the characters just don't know they, they they don't know how to either deal with whatever's going on. They treat women in a totally like um, weird way, as if they're completely incomprehensible to, yeah. to to admit. Or as in this movie, where the movie is saying that this woman is an alien and she is the alien from Alien. That's what that's what was just because of her bloodlust, hypersexualized uh, interest in this. Her I mean, bloodlust, her lust, lust, her <laughs> hard <laughs> lust, uh, her murder lust, uh, her she lust, is... lust, lust. It's a very confusing one. That Drink. last one. She is like literally machine gunning people down while having an orgasm. That's the level that we're at. And this, and Dude, then you know, odd job throws his hat at people. Jaws bites people's face off. This woman suffocates men with her thighs. Somebody wrote this character having a real good time, I'm telling you. Somebody <laughs> was is. like, yeah, yeah, that's right, thighs. She's squeezing them to death, yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and you know what's funny? Her name, Zena on the top, is, is, you know, is a fun joke. She's from Georgia, or, you know, in, 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 the, in, the, in the Baltics. But... Georgia is not in the Baltics. Okay, thank you, Dave, for your geography facts. <laughs> I just, I just, I just want to stop a tweet if if somebody's like, um, actually, Sam, that's not right. Caucasus, Caucasus, is that is that that's that's me. Yeah. So she's she her name's on the top, 
And yet, let's think back to our James Bond history. <laughs> this is not even close to being the most ridiculous name we've we have. Pussy, Pussy Galore, Galore. I think. I mean, is... that just by itself is is mental. I can't believe it ever got through a um, a writing meeting. But then you remember that it was the sixties and everyone was drunk. And... I think like. It lends itself to the cartoonish nature of the old Bond film, Sam, where they, it was fantasy, like, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then in this movie, you kind of have the realism creeping in of, like, oh, we're going to have... And you have some of that in the in the Dalton movies and some of the later Roger Moore ones. There's more sort of more realistic geopolitics. In this movie, though... <laughs> They're less is... and less set in space. <laughs> exactly. Like, Moonraker is... It's it's not even, there's two, movie. I think. There's at least two that have got space things in them. At it's least two, mental. yeah, that don't follow any of the rules. But, like, you know, this is is much more like we've got kind of Cold War spy. It's a spy thriller in a lot of ways. And this um, Xena on her top as a character, like, feels like a holdover from that era where we need to have a henchman, a henchwoman. We need to have a henchwoman who is kind of like this cartoon character. She needs to have one trait and, like, that's what we're going to run away with. You know, yeah, so yeah. like, and, I will say but though, the God. direction here, the direction here <laughs> of, of this Xena on a top character, like we meet her and she's driving the car, and you're like, who is this woman? That's all fine. They're playing cards, and then every the next other girl. scene she's in, every other scene in she's in, she's breathing really shallowly and sweating because she's so fucking sexually aroused by either murdering people or having sex with and murdering people. Or trying to have sex with and murdering people, like yeah, and it's one of those characters. Talk about just... hypersexualization! It feels like it took all of the sexualism in this movie and just put it in this one character. Like, yeah. right, you're going to be all the sexual frustration of a nation, right here, <laughs> because um, uh, uh, Natalia Simonova, played by Isabella um, Skorupo. Skorupko, Skorupko, got there. Isabella Skorupko. She, for the most part, is not that sexualized. Like we, she is there, but she's. It's kind of. It's kind of on a more equal basis with Bond. There's a. There's, well, she has agency. They don't meet till an hour into the movie. Nope, and she's capable, and she's like you know a computer programmer who knows what she's doing she manages to get out of this horrible situation with a bit of guile film disclaimer no computer programmer is a programmer is this sexy not in the yeah, Soviet not as, Union not, as, not anywhere else certainly not as sexy as Alan Cummings you're right that's a really good point Dave so all of these all of these things like i think you're right in terms of they channel it all into there as this is again this is a transition movie this is the holdover between um although the films after this completely threw all this out the window but this is a holdover between the old bond and, and the new bond in we see in daniel craig so it kind of again we're not trying to forgive this film and again maybe we've got those nostalgia glasses on but it does work i think it's a bit not more. perfect but i think we can like safely say that in comparison to a lot of the other bond movies like i said skyfall is I think more prob- there was a more problematic scene in that movie yeah. with Daniel Craig and a woman than there is in this movie. Where yes, Piers Brosnan is, you know, he's having sex with these ladies, but he's and he not- does he does do the forced kiss thing once, which is he just does. so he uncomfortable, does. and you're like, what um, the fuck are you doing? It's not like it could be worse. There's a Timothy Dalton one where he shoves this woman down on the bed and then follows her down, and you're like, that's a rape. This is a rape. You're doing a rape. <laughs> Whereas you don't quite have that in this movie, and it's kind of like. It's a bit more mutual, and and I think it helps. 
helps that Natalia character has a little bit more agency than your typical Bond girl before this. Mm-hmm. Like where we don't meet her until an hour into the movie. Like she manages to save herself several times um, from the satellite um, place when yeah. it's falling down and when the initial shooting happens. She's clever enough and she's talented enough and skilled enough to escape and then to get back and then she contacts Boris like all before she meets James Bond yeah. like this is a character who can do things without Bond which is kind mm. of nice in a way it is it is it's 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 interesting it's a bit more interesting it's a bit more varied than we've seen before um and and, and, he, and even on a top her character I mean she's a fighter pilot she's you know she's a over-sexualized sadistic killer but she she has a good function in the plot as well as thinking about where the plot goes which is you know like why is she there most of the time the 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 women in in bond movies are bond girls which is just an appalling phrase but or they don't have much to do and i think she's she's stealing this um this eurocopter thing uh this this plane this helicopter and they make a big deal that it's you know it's the only plane only helicopter in the world that can withstand an electromagnetic pulse which is a be- i mean how many emp things do we get in the 90s like that was a proper oh yes there's an emp and everyone knows everyone knows what it is we don't need to explain what it is everyone knows what an emp is very much in the zeitgeist isn't it and kind of like the golden eye can we talk about um i know we're talking about characters but let's segue a minute and just talk about the golden eye itself in terms of the technology here like the fact that they have to go and get the it's a box with a golden eye in it and i'm like hitting myself in the head because <laughs> this scene this scene it's so stupid. two keys two keys on my mark and then they have the that is a night. hunt for Red October thing. It's like the fucking right, and we both turn our keys. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But the fact that the authorization for using this thing, number one, the Russian government doesn't know there are two of these satellites, and number two is that it's literally a box you put in the computer. So how many computers are there where we're using this golden eye box? Is there like every does every branch of the military have like is there an application for this? Is it like whatever the Russian computer company is? This comes as standard. You don't get a floppy drive. You get a fucking GoldenEye disk drive. That shoots a laser at the, at, at the screen on the far wall, which activates that. And you're like, so many, so many weird, so many weird things. But I suppose they wanted it to look, you know, effective. It's Whereas pageantry, actually, isn't it? It's pageantry. Yeah. And again, I think it's that mix of old Bond, where you have the moustache twirling villain and you have all of this because... He's a moustache twirling villain, and he wants yeah. the pageantry of it. And that they, they kind of like some of that creeps into this movie. I like whereas you know, go on. well, just so whereas, whereas most weapons used by militaries now are going to be like, oh, we can shut down their entire electricity network in seconds, and that's what we're going to use to disable this country, which is yeah, you know, a lot less destructive than than something like this. I also wonder about the physics of how this even works: shooting an EMP with a laser from space. Pretty sure you need a pretty significant explosion to be able to do that, but okay, whatever. And if also, Ocean's EMPs... Eleven teaches me anything, Sam. It's that only one place has a has a, <laughs> a pinch big enough to do this job. A pinch. Um, a pinch. A pinch. <laughs> why are we doing British accents? <laughs> because because he wasn't. That's why. Because Jim Jimmy, Jim Jimmy, Jim Jim Jimmy. Fucking Jesus. 
let's um let's talk about other subversions and other other changes we get to see in a piece of genius casting a new m we get to see m who is the head of um mi5 and is a woman oh my god uh, whoa, 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 woman! <laughs> you can only the reaction in '95. By the way, I was reading about this earlier. There was a lot of people were like, "We can't have a woman be M. We can't have a woman be involved in woman like, espionage." My lord, it's yeah, it, it really is. So, woman spymaster, my lord. <laughs> um, but apparently, based on the fact that the real head of MI, I think six is the it's MI six is the real one. Uh, the yeah. real head of MI six at the time was a woman for the first time. Um, you know, mm. only twenty five years ago, uh, and yeah, Judy Dench is kind of like one of she our is top greatest, class, isn't she? One she of is our greatest living actors, I think. And, and, um, and what she does, she said, we've mentioned it already, but she she calls him a you know misogynistic dinosaur. And and like to have that in the film again, it's just such a great subversion of where you'd expect a Bond movie to go because they're kind of like calling him out. Now the film then just says, "Meh, that's who, that's who he is." But at least there's this sense of um, self awareness, which I think is probably a little bit ahead of its time in 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 the nineties for this character to 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 be a relic, to be a, someone who is acting in ways uh, which are, number one, reckless and probably damage the very core of his purpose, which is to protect the British government, and also then morally wrong. And, you know, this guy and what we see in the Daniel Craig stuff is we get to see Daniel Craig, like, what happens when he loses his shit, when he is no longer able to properly function, and then he becomes a liability, and that's the real yeah. line that they tread. They never really go there in this, but it's kind of again, it's hinting in that well, direction, isn't it? Part of that is like when this was made, and and we will keep talking about the film, but like I'm just fascinated by the, the sort of like um, the cultural history of of this franchise. Uh, there were six years between this movie and the previous James Bond movie, which I think might have been one of the biggest gaps. Uh, like I said, it was the seventeenth movie, and they made the first one in the early sixties, I think. Yeah, like, eight, so it was eighty nine, wasn't it? With License to Kill was the last one, yeah. which I don't think um, uh, I don't think did as well. well. Basically, I think the production company sold, like the company that there was a big like. It's not interesting, but there was a big like money deal, and that's why it took so long to make the new movie because mm-hmm. it was unclear who owned the rights. But like, it's quite a big gap, so you can need to reintroduce this character. But also times have changed. Things since eighty nine, like the Soviet Union's fallen. Like that has been the entire fucking raison d'etre of the James Bond franchise. Yeah. It's like it was written, it was conceived, it was filmed during this like gigantic uh, ideological war, and that's suddenly over. So M saying, Judy Dench saying, like you're a relic, you're a dinosaur. Like times have changed. It's now people on computer and the computers as well. It's now people on computers who are doing your work. You don't need to go out and fucking drink martinis and shag women. Like that is not how espionage is done anymore. Yeah. And then of yeah. course he goes out and drinks and shags women, kind of like subverting the fact that Judy Dench has said all these things and proving that she's wrong. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes, but he gets results, and that is that's the that's another another trope that we that we love. Yes, he commits acts of um, what's essentially international terrorism. 
against against the harmless defenseless nation of Cuba <laughs> who never did anything right anything to anyone <laughs> no no absolutely not so 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 yeah so this this is again but but let's give the film some credit though for that in terms of saying okay we are going to kind of turn the um turn the the, the well, it's thinking it's thinking about it isn't it and it's like you it's know it's, it's it's aware enough that you know times has changed a little bit yeah, and yeah um let's get into let's get into then like maybe skipping ahead a little bit um because we get we get a nice scene with Robbie Coltrane. Um, I I I don't really know what he's doing in the film. Like as the character, I think let's just cut a good ten minutes out of this. He doesn't need a liaison in St Petersburg. You're a tool of capitalist oppression, James. <laughs> it's a strange accent, but I, I like it. Uh, we we don't really need this scene. It's one of the scenes I think if you're going to just be honest, it needs you get rid of it, and it doesn't really add them. You just say, oh. Money Petty phones up and says, "Oh, we've got some intel that suggests that he might be at this place," and then we go and do that. Well, but... you have the American guy who picks him up. At the... Oh, yeah, Jack. I yeah. think it's it's for like it's for comedy because this film is like oddly comedic at times in the <laughs> really best possible is. way. Because like a lot of the, the all the Daniel Craig Bond films, like, and part of the reason I don't like them as much, they're really self serious and like, and that's fine, but. It just wears a bit. Whereas this is kind of funny. Like, he goes to, you know, there's the honor top stuff. That's all very odd and disturbing, but also quite funny. <laughs> he get he goes to Russia. It's cold as shit. This CIA guy picks him up in this, like, clapped-out Lada car or whatever it is. Or a oh, with or the hat, with the... No, pass yeah, the hammer. Like, no, no, the sledge. Oh, <laughs> when it starts off again. Like, it's... Yeah. It feels very Russian, doesn't it? It feels very Russian. Yeah. Exactly, but it's funny and it's light, and I think the Robbie Coltrane is kind of like to kind of add to that brevity because he's doing this silly accent. And Tell like, them, Dimitri, silence. <laughs> it's funny. It it's funny, so and it's like it's a bit campy, but like it doesn't make Stand it doesn't make the film. Man. This uh, that's uh, Mini Driver, by the way. I know. Why? What the fuck? Apparently, apparently, by the way, she was like destitute, and she got paid five grand to do this, and she was like, "Please, God, yes, I have rent to pay," because uh, wow. before one of her big breaks. But like, it's a funny scene because it's kind of like you have the strippers singing "Stand by Your Man" really, really badly. You've got Robbie Coltrane <laughs> in this terrible accident, uh, shooting shoots, him. In he shoots either side, and James Bond's like, "Don't shoot me in the cock! I can't leave if I can't have a cock." <laughs> Um, it's funny and it's light and it breaks up the the action in the movie because otherwise yeah. this movie is this movie is like 130 minutes it's a long movie like and so by having these moments of levity and we get some later on as well like you just carried along i think this is paced incredibly well so i wouldn't necessarily i agree with you sam i don't think robbie coltrane is adding fucking anything to this movie because he doesn't come back and he basically it's like it's like in a, in a video game where you have to go and like talk to some, go and talk to somebody and they're like right well you need to go here and do this <laughs> you need to go back where you came that. from yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he he is a total fetch quest but but yeah I, I do agree though and i think well the in terms of the pacing the film's really good at that peaks and troughs thing peaks and troughs peaks and troughs which is your your basic like instru- um, uh, ingredient for an action movie is you need to have up and then you need to have down and hopefully the ups are higher uh, are longer than the downs in terms of where you sit but yeah so but but as we get into Russia though 
in 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 the Saint Petersburg, it's like it's all really really uh, visually engaging, and you know we we get this um, uh, this this graveyard of statues where where he meets he meets Alec. Um, uh, you know, this I, I, is not like my experience of statue graveyards in Russia. Uh, there's a big <laughs> one in. Um, I went to Russia on a on a a trip when I was a teenager. Um, oh, public school boy! <laughs> no, I think I paid for it. I, I was working <laughs> at the time. It was nine hundred and seventy-five pounds. The school God, that's paid amazing, quite a lot, isn't it? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. We went to Russia for 10 days. We went to St. Petersburg and then we went to Moscow. And in Moscow, there's a statue graveyard because obviously um, in the Soviet period, like they're always making statues of Stalin and Lenin, Lenin especially, there's a lot of Lenin, and like, you know, the unknown soldiers and, you know, the big muscly guy with a hammer, you know, like uh, Soviet iconography. Um, And then on the fall of the Soviet Union, all of these... um, all of these statues basically got like torn down. Most of the Stalin ones are defaced uh, after the sort of like you know the disbanding of the cult personality and stuff like that. Um, and so there's a I can't remember what the, I think it's called Monument. I think it's just called Monument Park is the translation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's this park full full of statues. Now, uh, obviously, this was only a few years after the fall of the Soviet Union, so maybe it was much more like they were all taken down and put places. The park I went to was quite like well laid out and you know organized, and you walked around and looked at all these things. Yeah. And Sean Bean wasn't there with a massive scar on his face, and there wasn't a helicopter. No. Um, no but this... it's kind of cool to think that this is a thing that exists, and it's kind of nice how, like, you know, somebody obviously on on the production side of this was like, oh, we can use the statue graveyard because like this is a thing that exists in Russia in 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of like a good. Um, it's just a. Great, it's a good set, isn't it? It's obviously a set, but it looks great, and it's and it's one of those. It's one of those. Um, again, you kind of get a little bit of like breaking the fourth wall. Not maybe not the right term actually, but kind of like more cinematic um, effects where we get to see kind of like Russian singing, and we have these almost like snap zooms into the faces of these statues. Like it's really it's evocative. Evoking. It's evocative. Yes, of Soviet iconography, yeah. which is kind of fascinating and maybe something that we don't see as much of, like the statues and you know. But it's kind of great, and we get, by the way, the uh, the twin scene here where um, so Bond is here to find somebody. Like he gets there because um, he managed yeah, Jan- to stop Janus. They're looking for Janus, Janus. aren't they? Yeah, yeah there's like a name is... they've got for the the bad guy, basically. Um, so he gets um, on a top to drive him there, and then he gives her a vicious beating to the back of the neck until she passes mm. out, which is kind of crazy. One thing that I read is that this film aimed for a 12... Um, I think this is maybe before 12A. It aimed for a lower rating, um, or maybe even a PG. Was it Did a it PG? get it? No, it didn't. <laughs> but we get this cutway where we, we, where we get to see James Bond as he does this back of the neck knockout blow but we never see the blow so they didn't get the they didn't get the lower rating but they kept up they didn't bother to reshoot him or whatever to get I was going to say they must be millimeters away from like showing nipples in this movie like well the Franca opening Jansen. credits the opening credits Franca Jansen which... is 
so scantily clad in so much of this movie. I was kind of like, yeah, wow. You know, and obviously, like we talked about the cartoonish character of it, but you come into this graveyard, I'm on your graveyard to get back to the, the point. I just keep wanting to talk about Honor Top and what ridiculous character she is. <laughs> Uh, you get a twin scene with Alex, not Trebek, uh, Alex. <laughs> Roger Daltrey, yep. Alex Trevelyan. Roger Daltrey. Uh, Alex Trevelyan. Uh, Sean Bean, I should just say. Uh, you get this twin scene with Sean Bean where he, he kind of comes out the shadows again. Very similar to the scene that came out of the shadows at the start of the movie, which I love, by the way. I love reusing that um, metaphor. That shot. Yeah. Yeah, he comes um, out of the shadow. You're like, it's Sean Bean, he's not dead yet. Doing doing his best to suppress his uh, thick Yorkshire accent, I think, and, and doing his best a good job was not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is a very Yorkshire. This is Hello, a very James. Guy. <laughs> Hello, James. I'm a Cossack. What are you waiting for? Your Soviet military police. I shit him. <laughs> it's a sharp joke for us and us only. Me, right there, literally yeah. for me. Well, speaking of sharp, speaking of sharp references, I'm full of trivia tonight. Um, Paul Paul McCann, Paul McCann, uh, the actor who played Sharp until he broke his leg and couldn't. Pl- and Sean Bean replaced him. Uh, he was quite high in the contention to play Bond in this movie. Oh. Poor um, guy, lost out on both fronts. Lost, lost out to Sean Bean, <laughs> and then he lost out to Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. What do we think of the reveal of Alec Trump? Because I, again, this is where I do not have any subjectivity whatsoever because my brain is like, this is how it was formed. I think, objectively, I think the first half of this movie is a little bit confusing in terms of what's going on, why things are happening. Um, It's unclear why they've stolen the helicopter. I don't necessarily dislike that. But I would argue that functionally for this plot, if Sean Bean didn't wasn't in it again, not a lot would change. Like I like how he's the bad guy. I don't understand why we have this reveal here, um, and I think that maybe the plot could do a better job of justifying uh, Sean Bean pulling the strings in the background. Yeah, it does seem like he's been he's been like targeting James. For, for over a number of years and he's been sitting there plotting and finally the day where he manages to lure him to the to, to the to this you know well, um it, it's to, the, to hold on hold on plot sam but it doesn't go on anyway he, 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 he manages to lure him to this park of metaphors and then they you know this is the point where i'm going to reveal myself and he throws a he throws a, a smoke bomb on the ground and disappears <laughs> like it does feel a bit like that, but I, I think just about for me, just about for me, it works because it it sets up the personal conflict, which is then kind of like transplanted through the rest of the movie. I think if you didn't have him being so personally involved, then the rest of the film doesn't really work because you kind of need that resolution for from the beginning. And yeah. that's where I think it works really well. For me, I think you maybe just need one scene, maybe before um, On a Top and the General go into the satellite array. Maybe like there's a phone call or something where he's like, "Yeah, I'll Good make note. sure it happens." And do you know what I mean? Maybe just some sort of like lead to tell us that there's somebody else in the shadows, and that yeah. would maybe lend a bit more weight to this reveal. Because um, it's unclear as it's to why not, the Russians it's are by involved. no means. It's by no means terminal to this movie, but like no. it does certainly beg the question of like 
You, and, did, and, you didn't need anyone above the general. We already had the general, if you know what I mean. Like It feels like an extra step. But his motivation, though, I think makes sense because he's he his parents were Lienz Cossacks, which is um, they they basically fought against Stalin, didn't they? And then and then and then like went to you know escaped Russia um, after after World War Two, were then captured or or you know intercepted by the British, who uh, very very nicely decided to round them all up. I mean, it's some of the treatment was actually brutal and then send them back where most of them were executed or spent the rest of their lives in, you know, gulags and work camps. So you kind of like, so his, his, um, his, again, again, back to the Soviet Union stuff, his hatred for, for, for Britain and his kind of like role as a double agent effectively or a long, you know, a longer term double agent is because uh, he wanted to, Take down the the, the 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 British state because of the treatment of his parents. Now, all that makes sense. All that is fine, I, and I like it. And I think it's an interesting piece of history as well. It's well worth digging into just by itself. What I don't really, what I don't really connect though, is like what is he? He's what is he trying to achieve? He's trying to send Britain back to the to the Stone Age. He's trying to knock out their financial systems, and that's going to be like he feels like that's enough. And I, I, I just think you know, it's kind of not that bad. Like we'd figure it out pretty quick, you know. And maybe and, a better idea is if he's a double agent, where he's says to James, you know, we can still have the same initial backstory. You know, I'm the son of blah blah blah. Um, you know, and he's actually in. The, he was at, He was in the KGB before the fall of the Soviet Union. Yeah, like, maybe that. He faked his own death to go because of whatever reason, and like. He was a double agent, so he was an MI6 agent and he was a KGB agent. But actually, he was working to destabilize the Russian government from in, from the inside. And then, actually, we have a great rejection of that. And he says, but the Soviet state's fallen. But guess what? The British state that fucked my family over, they still exist. And then you can have that. And then you can have, I'm going to disrupt and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then his revenge will be complete or something. Like, you could make him a bit mustache twirly. That'd be fine. Yeah. Um, but like it does beg the question, who? Where is this guy been like eating and sleeping for the last several years? Well, he's nine years. It's been nine years. Nine yeah. years. Yeah, which so, they don't convey well at all. By the way, it just says it nine seems years later. like it. Yeah. Yeah. The um, I must I, have I, blinked and missed that. You totally. You It's really easy to do. It is. It is poor. I never really liked those. I think you do a better job. But the um, it also then I think suggests a problem with the golden eye itself the weapon itself which i think is cool but you know like eh, we'd recover <laughs> it, it would be fine like it would be inconvenient and there would be two three weeks where things but then things would you know come back to like whereas i think actually you know what fucking shortcut this make it a nuclear bomb make it like make it like the czar bomber you know, make it the, the the biggest nuclear bomb that's ever existed it's yeah. a secret a secret or make it like a you know, fusion bot, something that's going to just be... It's something that's so secret that not even the Soviet government knows about it, which is why they blow up this satellite array to hype, because the only people who know about it are this general, that this, and maybe we can have a couple of, like... We it's can, an ex-KGB... An it's an ex-KGB holdover, and, yeah. you know, the new, the new quote-unquote, democratic government in, in, in the Russian Federation isn't aware of or something like, you know, just... 
Because then, because then the threat is much more. I am going to wipe out. No, no, I'm going to wipe out. You know, Britain. I'm going to send and this bomb there. We can have there. the rush at the end. Maybe not have it take place in Cuba for whatever reason, but you can have the rush at the end to like everyone to converge on the one place where this thing is, like where the where the bomb is, whatever. Yeah. Like it's maybe it's in maybe it's in Norway. So like, you know, conceivably like. Or you know, maybe in Finland or something. Conceivably, yeah. they could launch it before the Allied detection could see it, and like it wouldn't cause a retaliatory strike or whatever. Mm. Maybe there's something in there. Like maybe we can use this Cold War kind of like fear of the bomb, and then yeah. and I know James Bond has done that before, but like that's a that's a deep well. You can go further. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about those? Um, what about those those bombs that are? It's it's quite modern, and this again, this is us just rewriting it for fun. There, there's a, there's bombs that um, exist now, which basically are, are launched, have a nuclear reactor on board, and just, just fly, fly around, around the world constantly. They can fly as low as possible, so they're not detectable by radar. They're not detectable by anti missile systems. They effectively break the, um, the 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 mutually assured destruction because they can just nip nip past all of the the anti-missile detection stuff like that in itself would be you know and this was launched in the death throes of the of the soviet union and now whoever gets the golden eye whoever gets the command key takes it over and this is i feel like i feel like this is a plot to an earlier bond film in space this is a this is a bond film we need to fucking write right now dave let's do it Let's do it. I think we could write a Bond film. Um, we could. It wouldn't. It wouldn't do well because we'd have to take all of the rape out of it. Um, <laughs> James but, Bond, uh, feminist icon. <laughs> <laughs> Clip that. I'll keep that. Um, so to get us back to the plot, because there's, there's some. We haven't really mentioned um, Natalia um, or Alan Cummings actually um, in terms of what they're doing. So. Like and this is another trope. I mean, this is a movie of like competing tropes, and the trope here is hackers. <laughs> spake them, able to spake them. This is not how computer programming works in any way. This is just insane. It's insane. It doesn't make sense, and it it only just barely works for the film. I think like even for ninety five, this seems outlandish. Seems outlandish and weird. And we do get a couple of cool, like, um, set up and payoff in movies. Um, speaking specifically of the Boris character, uh, we see him early on playing with a pen, like in the first series, in I think. Yes, yes. Uh, and then the payoff of that is he somehow gets James Bond's pen. I must again have blinked and missed it. It was late last night. Um, at the very end, and he's kind of like twirling around and clicking it. And Bond knows if he cl- only clicks it, if he doesn't click it the same amount of times every time, it will explode. So, like, it's a really cool way of... They've been caught again, and they get caught about 15 times in this movie, but they've been caught again. Like, how are they going to get out of it? And it's a nice sort of payoff there. Not that I think mm-hmm. the Boris character adds a lot to this movie, but... Um... No, he's... And he's... The overacting is extreme, although as a kid I did love this. thought he was hilarious. It's funny. It's, it's funny, again, like, a little bit of brevity, and, and you kind of have... You know, a bit like Samuel L. Jackson's programmer hacker character in uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know, there is something funny about that kind of disheveled, yeah. Yeah, dirty, totally. strange programmer. Um, <laughs> hey, easy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
it, it yeah it does it really it does it does work it does work doesn't it and um like i i like natalia as a character i think she's re- i think she's pretty good and i think the performance is okay it's like it's fine um they're all she's she's better when she's by herself as soon as she like gets close to bond and they start getting that's when all of that like punchiness and um uh, agency falls away and she's just like oh james it's really sad that your friend is like so what are you going to do about it you know and she, she does have one little line which is like you know just kill and kill and what do you think is going to happen and how do you think it's going to but then she's kind of like also ah, but you feel sad and that's a shot i feel so it's a bit like again it's a james bond film but like i agree and i would have liked to see she's a bond girl yeah but we have few moments of like even after they get captured so she sort of like kicks him awake in the helicopter and they manage to escape from there uh he gets her out of the soviet jail to be fair uh, they're on the train. There's so much this movie we haven't talked about. Like that's just oh the mad. train. The we're train. on we're on the Doctor Evil train. Um, which like you see this driving past Sam, you're like oh it's probably like probably a master criminal, right? Probably like a yeah. Is that Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> on this on this overture. we have actually. Let's just take a let's just pause a moment and let's talk about the the biggest and best set piece of the movie, which. Which you know they 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 escape from the prison, from the from the Russian prison, and they're in this like military yard, and we get to see a flash of a tank outside. Wow, what are we going to do with that? And then, and this is like almost this is almost the high point of the movie for me. Is it's certainly the most the, impressive. I love a city chase. They they this shot this shot and and the, this this shitty Russian car flies around the corner with. With Natalia and Omarovin, uh, um, and then we get the the surge of the James Bond theme, and the tank just through the wall, like that. To me, takes me back to being eight, nine, ten years old, and just the pure, unadulterated excitement of these movies because. You know, he's flying through, and then he he goes through like an archway, and he's just he's just completely plowing through it. When does he get the statue that sort of like uh, gets the statue of 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 Tsar Nicholas the Second? Yeah, I mean, fuck me. Again, they did that in real life. It's not the actual statue, of course, but they did that in real life where they had like this is a physical thing. This is a T forty five Russian tank. They are barreling Again, through. Again, you could get them quite cheap in '95. Oh yeah, so <laughs> they're barreling. They, they, they shot it in St. Petersburg for certain bits, and then other bits they shot it in a um, in a recreation in England. So, like all of these, all of these things, and this scene, this scene, I think is is amazing. It's one of it's the best. Wonderful. It's wonderful. It's nonsensical scenes. as fuck because like you aren't catching a car in a tank. Just any car can <laughs> drive faster than any tank. Yeah. That's the rule. Um, like, but it's fun and it's just, and it's like old school destructive. Like, oh. I've seen so many films of their dry Marvel films love, Marvel films fucking love wrecking up a town in a chase scene. But like, this is a bit more controlled. But it's too much, it's isn't bit, it? It's too yeah. much with that. It's this like, is oh, we'll destroy this is focused. Entire... And also, like, they're not shooting at each other as such. It's not like a Marvel movie where they're like unloading 4,000 bullets into each other's cars and somehow no one's injured. Like it's a bit more focused than that, and a bit more like, you know, a bit yeah, more well, fun for and, it. 
Omarov is sitting there necking from whiskey from his flask or vodka from his flask because he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" Doing <laughs> <laughs> chase, and then and then you mentioned this, you know the 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 statue on top of the tank, which I think they created like a hook system, and then yeah. just just did it. They just drove this tank in into this thing, and it managed to it managed to attach on. Yeah, and you just like. What is not to love about this? It's really clever. It's really, really clever. And again, it's kind of bombastic and fun and loud. It's kind of where James Bond lives, really. Um, And it happens in the middle of this fucking movie. (laughs) I know. I know. It is. It's. It's. It's just. Oh, it's brilliant. I really love it. I really love it. And then, as as we get to see this, this train crashes into the. The tank well, we get we another get another scene. kind of callback, another setup and payoff thing, which is at the very beginning when they're planting these bombs. Um, Alec Trebek, no Sean Bean, um, uh, basically <laughs> has a grudge against um, Bond because he said that they were supposed to set the timers for these bombs for six minutes, and Brosnan changed it to three minutes after he thought that um, Sean Bean had been killed. So like. So what he and again like it's a nice setup and payoff and it kind of like it's very Bond where he radios they've escaped and they've sealed the train um, and he says um, you know I'll give you the same six minutes you gave me in in wherever and like it's a nice again setup and payoff of this kind of relationship it doesn't make loads of sense but and then Bond turns to Natalia and says we've got three minutes we've got three minutes it doesn't make a load of sense in two ways number one. James Bond thought that Alex Trevelyan was dead because Alex Trevelyan pretended to be shot by Umarov in a long ter- long-term plan that was definitely not going to fall apart with this shady Russian general. Anyway, so then Jane- James is like, fuck it, I'm going to fuck these guys over, take it out, and that's fine. So it's not his fault, is it? I don't know why he's upset that he's got this now scar. Because- it's a little anyway, bit shaky, but anyway. yeah. But the second thing is, and this is classic James Bond, is that, you know what, you had ample opportunity to shoot it, to tie him up and to shoot him in the head. Why didn't you do it? Several times. Well, I'll give you three minutes. No, don't give him three minutes. Give him zero minutes. Give him half a second. He could have shot and killed him in that satellite place with the Russians at the very beginning, in the back of the head. Yep. Um, He could have, on a top, could have killed him in the spa we haven't mentioned the uh the um wrestling the... scene where Pierce Brosnan's wearing a towel oh my god he could she could have just brought a gun yeah that's the end of that yeah. uh she could have shot him on that mountain path obviously yeah. she knows who he is um that's the end of that they could have shot them when they captured them in the uh, monument graveyard yeah uh they could have shot them here at the train or they could have blown the train up straight away as well it's not like <laughs> And James could have done the same thing. He could have shot Alec as soon as he walked in. Again, it's kind of like, again, it's playing into the old James Bond where, like, it's all theatrical. And Blofeld loved this shit and he loved giving Bond a chance to survive because that's where the thrill was. Like, but when you take that to a grittier Cold War, post Cold War sort of place, it's a bit harder to sell it. Yeah. It does. This essentially essentially mercenary isn't just going to murder these people. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't really 
Doesn't really make sense, does it? Doesn't but really we do sense. get we do get Natalia doing a bit more like to move the plot forward. Like she stays to the last second so she can find that uh, that they're in Cuba. Cuba. Uh, mm-hmm. Which kind of gives us our like lead to the end of the movie, which is stupid. Like, why do we need to go to Cuba? Let's just have a Russia movie. But because we want we're gonna Cuba. Because then this character can wear a low-cut top and you're contractually obliged to wear a skimpy dress in the James yes. Bond movie, I'm yeah. afraid. We've yeah. already seen James Bond without his top on, so, you know, skimpy dress. Um, and then we go to Cuba and we have the weird CIA guy. I'm not sure if he comes back in one of the later Bonds as well. Yeah, Jack um, Jack something, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is... Um, um, what's this guy called? I'll find it in a minute. Um... Jack Jack Wade, Joe Don Baker is the actor. Joe Don Baker, yeah, he plays Jack Wade. So, the, so let, let's get to the end of the film, and let's maybe because otherwise we will be going for hours and hours. Well, we can talk about the climax, I think, of this movie. Yeah. So this is this um, is this is a speaking, great. Speaking of climaxes, um, we have the <laughs> uh, the death of Honor Top, um, where like she drops down into this jungle, and it is a jungle. This jungle that's allegedly in Cuba. Uh, like the Predator, or like Arnie from Predator, yes. like and starts beating the shit out of Bond and Natalia, and like again, this is the most egregious. Like I'm not just going to shoot you or stab you or beat you to death. I'm going to squeeze you to death with my thighs because that's the only way I can get sexually off. <laughs> so she's busy doing this. Natalia tries to drag her off. She grabs her face and goes, <coughs> "Wait your turn," and like throws her away, like because she's the Terminator. And the way that they kill her is Bond um, attaches the line from the helicopter to her back and shoots the pilot. So she gets like, what's the line? He says that. And then, and then he says a line when she gets yanked through this like palm tree and killed. She always did like a good squeeze. <laughs> what? Which is, again, again, talking. it's funny, but it's like, are we really doing one-liners in this instant? A woman... Two people are dead, Bond. Natalia is, was a fucking computer programmer in this station in fucking Siberia... 20 minutes six ago. Six days ago. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's his line delivery because they almost they almost kind of like settle in like this, you know. She always... She always, always did, did like, like a, a good, good squeeze. Squeeze. Look at the camera, thumbs up. Ding. Like it's it's... It's wild. I just, it's wild. I just wanted to mention it because, like, it's this weird conclusion to this weird character who is kind of at odds with this whole movie, but hey, it perfectly not necessarily fit. out of place. It perfectly fits. It perfectly fits who she is. I get it. I totally get it. But, but this, this, um, this is a great finale, though, isn't it? I mean, there's lots of technical. We're not going to talk through what happens, but basically, James and Alec are fighting on this on 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 the um, Arecibo. Uh, observatory, which is a real, which a real place. I think it collapsed like last year from but because it, correct. It doesn't rise out of the ocean in Cuba. Like, no, no, it's in Puerto command. Rico. Is where it actually Damn. is. Yeah, uh, cool scene though with it rising up. I did like that. It was you know nice miniature work. But the like, this is great. This is great, isn't it? You know, this is just. Such it's a brilliant, one of iconic, the best culminations. I think. Um, again, it follows some quite ropey. Like again, uh, Sean Bean could have killed these guys so many times. Yes. Uh, but it's it's really satisfying because you think because uh, Bond is hanging from the sort of like the ladders, isn't he? And it's kind of like the 
you know, Sean Bean's the bad guy. He's the heel, so he's stamping on his hand like, "Get down, you piece of shit!" Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a great, it's a great kind of like finish finish to it, where um, it ends with um, Bond basically holding uh, Sean Bean's arm as he like dangles over the over the precipice. Yeah, yeah, it's like. I, I, again, it's it's quite a gritty scene, just from the, um, uh, just from the, just from the way it's shot and the action and stuff. Like it's it's really quite, it's quite hard hitting, isn't it? And and yeah. I think it's a brawl. It's a brawl, which is it's nice. a brawl. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily end in 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 lots of. You know, cool punch fights. They 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 really are beating the shit out of each other, beating the absolute shit out of each other. And you, yeah. And I like that. I like that. It, again, it's very much more like the um, uh, uh, the the the, the Bourne movies that we've that we've kind of now are just commonplace. Like all of that really works. And then, to, but to do it in such a in such a grand a grand scenery on this. On this um, this observatory, I think is is just brilliant. It's like, really it's, well it's shot, it? and they do it. They do a good job with the tension of like we know we know clearly enough, and they told us enough times. These guys are fucking a thousand feet up in the air. <laughs> you know, if you fall, you're not just dead; you're splatted. Um, well, you're not splatted actually, as we see in the actual scene. Um, but I mean, it it concludes with uh, what what's the actual line? It's um, Sean Bean looks up and he's kind of like dangling and and James Bond is holding him and he goes for England James and and James goes no for me and he drops yeah. it yeah oh great kill line great kill line but that is what this interestingly there's no Wilhelm scream here um so usually uh, if you think about um Raiders of the Lost Ark oh no sorry not Raiders um the Last Crusade where the general goes over, the Nazi guy goes over the cliff. Like, yeah, that nice Wilhelm Mwah. scream. You, yeah, this this is Sean Bean screaming. Uh, it's not mm. a Wilhelm scream. Although there is a Wilhelm scream in this movie, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Because it bothered me why they hadn't used a Wilhelm scream. Because if there's ever a time to use a Wilhelm scream, it's as someone plunges to their death off a, a big satellite dish. I suppose for the main character, they for, for the main bad guy, they want to give him a dignified, not a... Not a Wilhelm scream, like like you well, know, maybe more. So where is it used? The Wilhelm then? scream is, you know, when Onatop and Omarov, if that is in fact the right name, that's right. Um, they seem oddly close. Uh, they're at the observatory with uh, when Natalia's working. When um, Onatop kills the guards, like one of the guards that makes the the sound <laughs> is the Foley's there. Yeah, yeah. So, when she like when she unexpectedly just opens fire on them, um, it's there. Uh, I, had well to, I had to do, I had to really dig through the trivia to find this because I didn't want to have to watch the whole film again. But I'm <laughs> sure I'd heard one. Um, well, worth googling the Wilhelm scream if you've never heard that before, because you will have gone, oh yeah, I recognise that. He will ruin movies for you. Yeah, so absolutely. many movies. Um, the um, yeah, so like this is this is a good conclusion, isn't it? Now, but let's 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 now talk. Let's now talk about the last shot of the movie, and then we can. Get into a couple of other things before we finish Just up. Just where James in... Bond gets uh, cop blocked by the CIA, basically. So, bunch of perverts are like, "We're just going to sit here and watch this. Let's not. This... Don't tell them we're here. Oh, don't tell helicopters! Them. God oh, damn it! Well, well, this is the thing. We're about right? to get a show. 
they're, they're having they're they're you know they're literally rolling in the hay after killing the bad guy. Boris is dead. He gets it. I'm invincible, and he gets frozen solid. These or, films would have you believe that there's nothing quite as arousing as blowing up a satellite and killing a bunch of people. Killing at least two hundred people. Nothing will quite get your lady so hot as lots of murder. No, yeah. absolutely not. And she, she's all up. And this is this is where she's at her most. Although I do like the chemistry between these two at the end. They are clearly having a great time. And Brosnan, yeah. see, they're all laughing. It's fun. But they, um, they, they're, they're rolling in the hay, and and it's literally a static shot. You can see them from a distance, and then Jack, the, this Jack Wade walks up and says, "Hey, hey, James." This is backup, and he says, "Where's the backup?" And all these soldiers stand up. They've literally been feet away from them. It's like and the then, scene in Apocalypse Now with the helicopters, Sam. There's like a fucking battalion of please, people. Please, please, please hold on, because this is the stupidest part of this film. The one hundred percent stupidest part of this movie. Go back and look at it on YouTube. Find it because the helicopters they just literally drop down into frame. Now. I don't know how. Number one, there wasn't backdraft from the from the rotor, and also how they didn't hear them. It's not like they just swoop in. You see them; they literally just drop maybe six or seven feet into the frame, <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh my god, where did where did you guys come from?" And it's oh, like, please, please, come on. I know that's a bit of a pedant cast and say I'm I'm channeling Ross. Yeah, right yeah. Now. Ross, I, I thought you were away. <laughs> but, but I'm not going to try and do an accent. But it really does. It really, uh, that is one of those things. I even remember thinking that as a kid. Like, how do they not hear the helicopters? They're literally right there. These I think it are works. Loud. It's funny. Like again, it would be less funny if it just the the camera just sort of panned away and they were having sex in this grass. Like having the CIA agents there again. It kind of like it lends itself to the kind of like silliness of this, like yeah, and the cartoonishness and the, you know, it's a story and like, I don't. This is again. This is kind of why I'm not in love with the Daniel Craig ones because I kind of want to get rid of some of that. That James Bond should be about wish not wish wish fulfillment in a lot of ways. It's escapism and when it's Daniel Craig like. Having his really like real having his nuts, you know, having his nuts beaten. Remember that scene? Yeah, having his nuts beaten by some guy. <laughs> like that's not as fun to watch, and I can't escape into that. I don't want to be there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's not like ball torture. Not really my kind of thing. Um, you know, I don't really want not, to escape. Not your, into that not world. your type of escapism. Oh my god. No. So like, it's nice to have that escapism, and it's funny, and it's a jaunt at the end of the day. And like I think this is especially why when you was a kid I responded so well to this movie and yeah. to the other Bond movies because like it's grand you know it couldn't be further removed from reality no one's making a fucking cup of tea apart from the cup of tea that Natalia makes early on like no one's going for a shit in this movie no one's ringing their mum to find out well what we time see, we we, for dinner. we do see that as well at the start of the film but that's fine let's and let's go back to our childhood for a minute what else what else is intrinsically linked to this which is the n64 video games like this is we, we, we talked about a little bit but like that must have an impact in terms of our nostalgic view of this film because the bit in the you know you, you could play through basically the entire movie you're on the dam you go into the toilet you could do the big you could do a fight the fight scene on the on the it was one of one of the biggest games on that console. I would certainly like rank it in the top split sort of screen four player. Like you had like the, was... the death fights, and you could you could be odd job or Jaws. Like they put all the old characters in it. 
why haven't why isn't why can't I buy that like what's going on why can't I buy that right now uh, just for I? the audio feed I'm doing the finger thing which means money 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 <laughs> the money, finger money. thing the finger thing means money uh, he's doing the finger it it is it is wild like fuck you Nintendo for holding back and I think they've just added N64 games but I I'm almost certain that won't be. They covered. haven't. The license, I think it's a licensing issue because obviously, like, the film is licensed Make for a video work. game, but, like, to re release it, I think they would have to give. They would have to give. Is it Eon? Um, yeah. They would have to give Eon more money, and obviously, Fucking they don't want to do Albert that. Albert Broccoli needs paid, doesn't he? I suppose. It's fine, Sam. I guarantee you can get a decent. Uh, oh, actually, actually, on your. Um, oh, Dave, I've emulated it on beep, almost every single. Um, Nintendo. Beep, Emulator, can't you get the N64 Goldeneye on your? Beep I've got it on my Wii. Emulator. I've got it on. I've got it on my laptop. Beep. I've got it on. <laughs> Don't say it, Sam. They'll <laughs> be around your house. Every single possible device. I've got it on my fucking. My cooker display, so don't worry about that. But it's the point of <laughs> the fridge doesn't stay at temperature anymore. But you can, you can play Minecraft through the display, <laughs> <laughs> and that's my right. So yeah, so that let's let's just let's just have a moment to say how goddamn brilliant that game was because that was a real thing. One other thing, and I'm just going to throw out there quickly: the music in this thing, I think is really fun. Other thing that I really liked is the sound effects. The the, the sound effects of the guns. Doop, doop, doop. Again, that's like they took that into the video game. That really worked. All of it, I think, is a nice. And they're package. quite muted, actually. All of the gunshots in this—they don't deafen you. Yeah. I know we watched um, Baby Driver recently, and that is a movie where there's loud. And I remember you saying like they gave you tinnitus. Take your headphones uh, off. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is kind of like it's easy watching, even for a bombastic movie. Like the explosions are tame enough. It's not Michael Bayish. You, you know, I. I had an absolute blast with this movie. It's one of the better ones we've done um, recently. Not without its problems, we should say, and I think we've covered that fairly concisely. Um, but maybe a better example of a Bond movie. I'd certainly yeah. be interested to do more Bond movies because it's been a long time since I revisited, and especially the Roger Moore ones, I should say. I've probably only seen the Roger Moore ones once or twice. I have, I have um, watched all of them, definitely, but again, that was but like 15 years ago. You know, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd like to do some of the. I, I'd like to do an even more problematic movie than this, which is almost any of them. But uh, but maybe doc, maybe some of the the the. Um, Doctor uh, No, maybe or Doctor No, uh, the, the, the Conley ones, gun. the one the one in Japan. You only live twice, I think. Oh. Yes, I bet again, but like I'm really interested. It, this is the, watching Goldeneye has kind of like reignited this kind of like. This passion I had for this series, this this franchise as a kid, that it's not something I've explored as an adult, like you know, and it's such a big thing when we were kids. I remember, do you remember you used to get um, nostalgia corner here? Keep talking, I'm just gonna be the background. Do you remember you used to get like those big magazines that came with a like a prize? Like you get the magazine, and it would come with the first issue would come with like a like a storage folder and then every subsequent issue would come with like a dvd or something or like a comic or a poster did you Um, did you have they were like they were like two they were like two quid no i had the james bond one yeah but and you had a little id you made a little id yeah and that was green came with like q gadgets you could cut out and make 
I think I have. The, I think I literally. If you, I've got. I've got it somewhere. I've got the little ID. It's got my face on it, which I paint, and it's a little green one with says yeah. MI6 at the top. Oh my goodness, we are, we live the same life as usual. But that is. That's <laughs> I think I have. I think I have a DVD of Doctor No somewhere. That's the only thing left over from that. Um, but we didn't get them for very long because I think the first couple of issues were a couple of quid and then every other issue was like eight quid and I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. mate, it's the late 90s. I cannot sell this to my mother. No. You know, Mum, no. can I buy all these problematic movies about this misogynistic <laughs> man? And by the way, it's eight pounds every fortnight. Um, no, I don't think so. Fair enough, Mum. Good decision. I think I turned out better, better for it. Um, <laughs> Thank you for uh, nourishing my, um, uh, you know, male... Uh, Outlook and rejecting toxic masculinity—it'll really, it'll really do me well when I'm podcasting in 2021. Well, the biggest thing is much is, is all of that, Sam. My mum has this real thing about guns because uh, 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 me too. Yep. Well, same. There's a reason for it. Is when my mum parents were first married, they were in Germany uh, and they were on camp, and there were a couple of attacks. Uh, someone got a bomb put under the car, and someone stopped at a set of lights with forces plates on, and got shot. So my dad, they used to have to go armed around if they're on on duty. And my dad brought uh, so my mum had this thing. And my parent, my dad brought uh, a gun a gun back once for lunch. Popped in and just got it out and pop, popped it on the like counter in the kitchen. And she went fucking ballistic, and they didn't speak for days or something. So like she always had this big thing about guns, and it got she didn't like guns in films. We weren't allowed BB guns or anything like that. Like it's a big. My mum would take the would get gifts from friends for birthdays or whatever which action mans and she would take the guns off the action man so he became only man there was no action <laughs> oh sam you've got man anthrop man did did he have the white pants or was it like the flesh colored light bump uh, probably the flesh colored mound yes that was that was in there yeah. <laughs> and no and no and no guns either what a shocking, shocking way to grow up. Poor guy, poor guy. Um, so there we go, Goldeneye. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking about this movie. I, it really makes me um, want to do good movies every week, and 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 I only wish we could. But we are contractually obligated to also die the depths of of uh, of film depravity. Te- Yes, of terrible films, and that's what we'll continue to do. Uh, yeah, but Sam, we are kind of off the leash until um, until Ross comes back from sabbatical. So maybe we'll maybe we'll think about what we're going to do next week, and we'll choose. Maybe I'll choose something. I bet it'll be shit. <laughs> as is, <laughs> as usual, and also as is your um, your right to do ooh, so. Ooh, ooh, I wonder if um, is it overboard? I wonder if that's streaming. Um, you know the film where. Uh, a woman falls off a boat and gets amnesia and a man lies to her and tells her um, she's his wife so that she'll raise his children and have sex with them. That's a problematic movie we could watch. God, that's, I just regret this immediately. I regret this absolutely <laughs> immediately. You've given me the tiniest amount of power and I've abused it so Terrible. quickly. Terrible. Um, anyway, right. um, you only listen to a podcast twice. So, um, Sam, I want you to put the folly of me firing a gun. At the end of this movie, at the end of this podcast, and then okay. that'll just be the sound. You have to edit. And I'll all just of do the music. Out. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> 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 <laughs>